What, what rules can I obey just so that God will, will like me? I hope that he likes me. And if I do this enough, maybe he will like me. Maybe he will love me. And, and if I can show him that I'm working hard, maybe he will love me. That's the way we interact on that physical side. But it is important to remember that as much as that might be the way that you feel, the truth is that you have been saved by grace, not by strivings, not, not by working really hard, not by meaning to do well, not, not any of those things. We have been saved by grace and by grace alone. Grace not works. And that means that the spiritual world has intersected. It, it, it has overlapped. It has come into this physical world. And the most significant intersection of the spiritual world and the physical world is absolutely Jesus Christ. That, that, that spiritual world and physical world came together at a time and a place in history. We, we marked it on the calendar. We have reset the dates of history about around this idea, this, this interaction that God came here, that somehow we were worth enough for God himself to limit himself into the form of a human, to grow from a baby into a man, because it was so important that this relationship would happen, that we would grow in relationship, and that the relationship that he would describe would be one of unity, one of blessing, because God cares about us. God cares about you. Um, Jesus is our most direct connection and understanding, a representation for God. Without Jesus, we cannot be saved from our sins. And so we learn that in John 14, 6, Jesus answered as he was uh, being interrogated, and it was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one enters the kingdom of God without Jesus. There is no other way into the kingdom of God than Jesus. But through Jesus, we are, you and, and I, are living in the kingdom of God right now. And the kingdom of God, well, it, it doesn't feel as physical and as real as the physical world that we live in, right? We would say, well, I live in Canada. That's the world that I live in. But the truth is, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. And that citizenship means that I recognize my, my ruler, my king, as being not just the one who's in charge of my country, but the one whose direct allegiance is, is mine. I, I give my allegiance, my service to God first and foremost, above and over. That means that this is not just about a do this and a do that. When you live in a country like Canada, there's a list of rules that you do this and you don't do that. But the kingdom of God is, well, it's not just the same. Because it's not just this pure physical sense, because there's a spiritual element about, around it, it means that the way and the why, the how of what I do, is as much or more important than the what we do. We live out spiritual truth. We display spiritual truth to those who are around us. It's, it's easier for, for us to, to just do what someone else tells you. You know, follow the rules, keep in line, don't deviate, just do what I do. But man-based rules and man-based priorities, they're just not the key to living. 
That's just not how we really exist in the kingdom of God. In the transcendent kingdom of God. And here what I mean transcendent is uh, not limited by geography, not limited by physical borders, and not limited by time. When we live in the Spirit, which is such a, uh, I don't know, a churchy way to talk about things, but living in the Spirit is a way of saying I'm consciously choosing to live in the kingdom of God. I will live according to the kingdom of God. So living by the Spirit is the way that we would say that. We are living within it, and at the very same time we are living within it, we are expanding it. We are expanding that kingdom because of our participation in it. So you have incredible influence. We follow the guidance of the Spirit, and we are to discern His direction. And and then as we do that, we access His power as we go. And, And what He has called us to do, well, that's the way. That's the way that we go. This is a physical living and a manifesting, uh, that means a, a bringing to life, making it visible, displaying the spiritual world so that people who, well, they can't see it at all, they might see what that spiritual essence is like by watching you, by watching how you behave, by why you do what you do, by how you empower what it is that you're going to do. And that spiritual world is, living in that is to delight in and display it so that everyone around can see what that looks like. And so this is a process that we are interacting constantly, working in partnership with God, the Holy Spirit. So how do we discern? How do we discern what God is trying to tell us to do? Because don't we all want to know what God wants you to do? Because if you knew that, well, that would just be the secret to life, wouldn't it? How will I know? How do I regulate? How do I evaluate? How do I measure? How do I gauge what? we are living. It's not as easy as do this and don't do that. We like that. We prefer that. At least then we can talk about the rules. But it's more flow. It's more freedom. But it goes against the way that we are accustomed to living. And the way that we are accustomed to living is to know in advance what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Then I will know what to do before I get there. And that's the way that we prefer to live. And discernment is much more about a moment by moment, ongoing interaction and a connection. And frankly, we don't really want that connection. We want it when we need it, but we don't want it most of the time. Just give me what I need to do and let me be on my way. Let me live this thing out independently. And God says, no, 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 it's a partnership. It's a life. It's a constant back and forth. And so we need to keep our spiritual Wi-Fi bars as close to full as possible so that you can constantly hear what the next direction. You can discern what the next move is on your side. So one of the first indicators for us to know what's important is to focus on what your enemy focuses on to attack. How do you defend yourself well? You can defend yourself well if you know where the attack is going to come. So where does our enemy attack? We learned that we have an enemy. Just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that in um, When the Devil Knocks. Forgot that for a minute, sorry. Uh, This is what we are always um, needing to be aware of, that we have an enemy who's there to steal, to kill, and destroy. His his job or his tactics are deceive, accuse, 
and destroy. And he is always working towards those ends. So we know that he deceives. We know that he accuses. We know that he destroys. And what is it that he continues to target? He keeps coming back to it. He keeps going to the same places again. He hits it in individuals. He hits it in groups. He hits it in families. He hits it in churches. Satan's primary strategy is to keep Christians divided. So watch out for this. Why? Why does he care so much about bringing about division and and, and factions? Well, he's looking at what his enemy is building. He's looking at what his enemy values. Satan is the enemy of God. What is it that God is working towards? what, What is God trying to do in his relationship with humanity? What is he bringing about? We see a great example of this with Jesus. Jesus, in John chapter 17, it's what we call the high priestly prayer. And and Jesus pours out his heart. We get get an extended passage of, of what Jesus, what the heart of God really is. And then you see it lived out in a human who is God on earth. And he pours out this longing. This is what I want for the world. And what does he keep asking for? Unity. We, we, we take the identity of into one community church from John chapter 17. Specifically John chapter 17 verse 23, but the whole passage is about a unity. Make them one. Help them to understand that they are one. Let them know that they are loved just like you love me. And he goes on and on in this kind of a way. Unity. He's not talking about help them make it. He's not saying, God, I hope that uh, that I pray that you would cause them to create unity. I, I, I pray that you would cause them to uh, discover it somewhere else. No, he says, I pray that they would be able to live within the unity that we have already created, that we've already made possible. So the issue or the, the presenting circumstance um, that brings about disunity, so the, 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 the flashpoint, the explosion, the thing that happens that you go, because of this, now we have sides. That thing It's a presenting cause, right? But it is not the primary problem. The primary problem is unity. The break in unity is where the greatest damage is done. And once you crack the unity, you just keep on hitting again and again and again. You keep on hitting that spot. Anything that you can bring up, you push in. Any idea, any concept, any issue, you keep putting the same thing forward, make it divisive, make it divisive, make it divisive, and you keep hitting that same spot that further separates, it pushes back, it builds walls, means we can't get together, we can't get along, it's us, it's them, they, that's not the way we, have you ever seen this happen? Are you seeing this happen regularly? This is a really big issue in Canada. It's a really big issue in the United States right now. I mean, who's kidding who? This is a really big issue in the entire world right now. And it's, it, 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 it's a cycle. It keeps coming back up. This is what happens. We, we, we get along until we don't. When we have enough other crisis to focus on, we can work together fine. But when we have too much, We get into fights, we splinter, we separate, we accuse, sometimes we deceive. 
We look at our relationships and sometimes we go about destroying them for us because of them. What we can do when we are together, unbelievable. Not, not just as a word, but as a concept. It is unbelievable. We cannot believe what we see, what happens when we decide that we can work together. What we can do when we choose to, when we choose to not find offense, what we can do is world-changing. And again, those aren't words. That's what happens. The world changes. It is not the same. It is no longer what it was. It is now something different. What we can do when we decide to do it together, when we allow love to cover over a multitude of sins, that's inspiring. Those are stories that makes the heart swell. Those are the stories that you want to come back to and you want to tell other people about. You're not going to believe what happened because it feels unbelievable. But when love can cover over a multitude of sins, what happens is inspiring. That, that is the way. The way is what the earliest Christians, we call them Christians, but before they were called Christians, they were called the way or followers of the way. That's what they were known as. The way is less about where you go and more about how you go. We, we, the way we would like God to work for the most part, maybe this is true for you. I know this is the way that I work quite frequently is I want a left or a right answer. Which way do I turn? I go left, I go right. Tell me which way it's supposed to be. Tell, tell, is this school or that school? This program or that program? Tell me the person that I'm supposed to date. As if, and we live this way, as if there's only ever one right option. And if we miss that right option, then we're done. The rest of our life is set. And we're doomed. We're doomed because we didn't make the right decision. We didn't choose the right one once. And we sort of discount God from the rest of the process. But that connection to God enables you to persevere. The influence of the Spirit transforms your heart and your mind. And you are able to live a life of joy and freedom and peace even as everything else goes sour around you. So listen to the Spirit and look for a path that leads towards unity. So what I'm saying is, yeah, follow the way. Well, when I was 15 or 16, I was at camp, and uh, I went to Camp Minioli, and I was at the section called Northwoods. Northwoods was the uh, outrigger kind of side, and uh, the cabins that we slept in had no electricity, and so we'd, we'd finish our evening program in the, the farmhouse kind of lodge area, and uh, it was well lit, and it was in a clearing, and as we walked back to our cabins, you'd walk across a field, and as you walk across the field, the farmhouse lights fade away, and at the end of the field, there's a road, and as you walk along the road, the road becomes a path, and as it becomes a path, you're farther from the light, and you're getting more uh, into the woods, and as you enter the woods, now the path is more narrow, and it's a wooded path. It's surrounded by trees, and it, it gets so dark there. That I, I, I'd never experienced this before, that you could literally not see your hand in front of your face. 
It was that dark. And I would take it as a challenge to do this walk without a flashlight. Because flashlights always focus your, your eyes in such a small spot. Can I do this without it? Can I learn to discern a path forward? And so you learn to pay attention to the rest of your senses. Your, your whole body is awake. You don't just focus on what your eyes can see because that's only part of the story anyways. So you'd learn to walk and you could feel the difference of I'm closer to the woods now because the, the, the breath of wind on my face has changed. And, and, I, and I can sense it if I go over here, it's not exactly the same. And you're sort of, um, you're, you're searching with your feet along the ground. It was a rock path for the most part. So you could reach your, your foot kind of over on one side and you go, okay, that's more pine needles. I got to move back onto the rock. And so we, we would go along this path and that's how we would get back to our cabins. When we get back to our cabins, there's no light there either. But you learn that the other senses you have tell you far more important information than you thought because you, you don't normally listen to them. We're so dependent on one way of going forward. You find your way, you find the way by increasing your sensitivity to the message that you've always been receiving, but the messages that you might have never known were there. You've, you've been receiving messages yourself all your life. You just might not be listening to them. You might not have learned how to tune them in well. There's too much else going on that you had your focus, and when you can learn to expand your focus, then you can learn to discern but these things are subtle. They're not um, brash. They're uh, responsive. They're, it takes gentle moves to adjust in there. Too much and I'm off the path. Too much on the other side and I'm off the path. So small moves, small directions, feeling my way forward. And so how did the earliest Christians, the ones who had direct or almost direct contact with Jesus, how did they live and behave? How did they know what to do if they just knew that they didn't follow the law? They were the, the ones that became known as followers of the way. And what guided them? What is the way of the master? Well, it's the way of love. It, it can't just be a system of constantly redefining and clarifying our list of rules, right? You can't, I'm sure you've learned this, you cannot legislate good behavior. You cannot legislate morality. All you can legislate are loopholes. All you can legislate are ways to not follow the rules. You didn't say that I couldn't. You never said that. The way of love is the way of the master. That's what we're trying to tune into. That's how we have this intersection of the three worlds, the physical, the virtual, and the spiritual. When they overlap, we discern from the spiritual way. And the way of love is a good way forward. It can't just be constantly redefining, clarifying that risk. That's good, that's bad. How do you come to faith? And this sets us on a path. How we start in faith starts us on a path that we will follow throughout our lives to the very end. This is the beginning that sets us on the way. Romans 10.9, Paul explaining to the people in Rome, he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We are saved by grace, completely, entirely saved by grace. Now that we are saved, we grow, 
And we grow in sanctification. We grow in holiness. We grow in closeness to God. We begin to take on the characteristics or the attributes of Christ. But we cannot uh, expect to experience the full life that Christ offers by simply confessing the truth about Jesus. Yes, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. The confession brings salvation. We also need to walk in to live in, to ad, ad, adopt the ways of Jesus. Jesus' truth brings salvation. Plus, the Jesus' way equals the Jesus' life. Saved by grace. Then we must live it in our place. We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what does that look like? How do I, as a regular person, see what this is going on around me? So Paul wrote again to his friends in the city of Colossae. Colossians 3, 12. And I'm going to read this passage from the message. So we're going to put that on the screen for you. Um, but you can, why don't you later go on and check it out with a translation that you regular, regularly read. I chose this one because I think it brings out a nuance that's different. And hopefully you can hear it in a new way. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Compassion. Kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you and regardless of whatever else, regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So, you want to know the will of God. First, we know that it's going to move towards unity. We know that it's going to move towards love. God ever speak to you? You ever had that sense that God is speaking to you, sensing you, uh, giving you a sensation, giving you a prompting? Being able to identify his voice, you've got to know what it should sound like. And so those are things that it should sound like. It comes up in different ways all around you. So you have to apply your discernment to them. That's your right, but it's also your obligation. Ask that God would speak to you so that he might speak through you. Always through you, right? It doesn't stop at just you. It, it has to go somewhere. It has to help someone. It has to encourage someone. It, ha it has to build someone. It, it, it's always about a growing relationship, and that's a good way to think of it too. Unity, love, builds relationship. Because here's, here is something that you can always track with. Sin always isolates. All right? So if you feel that your behavior is moving you out of relationship and into isolation, you better check. It's probably somehow um, moving you in a sinful direction because the Spirit moves you into relationship and into a healthier relationship, growing in, in, in depth and, and beauty and wonder, healing, strengthening relationships. Why do you think the command to love is such a big deal? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah, 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 we've heard that. In the Old Testament, that's known as the, the Shema. And they would, they would uh, put it, write it out on a piece of paper, put it in a little box, tie it to their wrist, tie it to their forehead in these little boxes called phylacteries. They would mount that phrase in a little box on the top of their door, on the door frames. And so the habit was, even as you walked in, you would put your hand on, you would touch it. This was the thing that we never forgot. 
The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That was it. Every time I go anywhere, I touch it. I remember it. It's on me. It is the guiding force. It's a big deal in the New Testament world too because the New Testament world is living with the Old Testament ideals. And then Jesus, while he's there, he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It wasn't just love God. It was if you love one another, then they'll really be able to understand this. So what's something that you can uh, travel with easily, just put in your pocket and take with you your spiritual discernment test? Um, you, you got to move into unknown circumstances. The phrase that you can use is, what does love require of me? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to do in this circumstance. It's confusing. I've never been in here. What does love require of me? Love is the mind of God. Love is the will of God. Love is the nature of God and the call of God. This love looks like Jesus. And so what does that love look like? Is it your description of love? Well, Paul helps us out in 1 Corinthians 13. He gives us a a description of love to help identify whether or not you're living within the will of God. So this is the way that Jesus was, Jesus is. This is the way that God is. This is the definition of love. If you don't know what love is supposed to look like, This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when you are following the way. It should continually grow in looking like this. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Ooh, that's a hard one. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's harder still. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. 8, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But this is what God's love for you looks like. That is the way. What's it supposed to look like when we do it? Those are guidelines for you. Does this lead me into a place where I am like that? So discernment, that guidance. How do we recognize that guidance of God? It's again, getting a sense of the qualities about it. So the brother of Jesus, James, um, he describes God's guidance and what that framework will look like. Again, it's not just a do this or a don't do that, but in all you do, let let it be in what, what you do. Let it all take on this kingdom quality, this God-like quality. In James 3.17, he says, the wisdom from above is first of all pure. So the will of God, the kingdom of God, the way, it's going to be pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. If what you're going to do doesn't have that shape, that flavor, that atmosphere, then you need to stop and think, is this the way? I want you to be able to soak this in a little bit. So we're not the only people who are trying to figure this out, okay? How to figure out living the way. We talk about the first century folks like, like they had it all figured out. They figured it out as they went along, okay? They were struggling just like we're struggling, and the the whole early church was testing this out, and that meant it went a little bit this way, and then you had to come back a little bit this way. Small moves, 
adjustments. It wasn't a thing that you could stand on and never move. You always have to live it out. And living it out is constantly complicated. But we, along with them, need to put these pieces together. So here's Paul again. And he's writing to the church in um, the region of Galatia. And they had been given some confusing teachings, teachings. And if we were to hear those teachings, we read the book, you could say, this is exactly like the world that we are living in. This is exactly the same thing that we're going to deal with. So here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. First thing, let's get it straight. When you were saved by grace, you were saved to a life of freedom. Freedom from and freedom to. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, right? We're going to do that because that brings about unity. That brings about strengthening of relationship. That brings about the display of love. So it fits with all those characteristics that we've already been looking at. For the entire law is filled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but you are led by the Spirit, but if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, free from the law, free to work towards unity, build relationship, live it out in love, that's the way we come to the way. Verse 19, the, the, uh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those were things that you do. Don't do these things. But 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, what grows inside, not fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit that comes up when the Spirit is in your life and you're following the way, this is what starts to appear. Not actions, but things that influence actions. It's the how. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 23, gentleness and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. You are free to do these things. 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is where the Spirit goes, but you keep in step because there's movement. It's going somewhere. It's the way, not the spot. You keep going Knowing God's will, discerning the Spirit's guidance is all about knowing the King. If it looks like the King, if it loves like the King, if it lives like the King, then it brings honor to the King and peace, love, hope, and grace to the citizen of the King. So, regardless of what you see around you, regardless of the insecurity around you, regardless of the disappointment in you. 
regardless of the fear in you. Regardless of the justifiable anger. Regardless of the ongoing frustration in you. Regardless of what the physical and the virtual world is experiencing, regardless of what is all around, please remember this. Consider this and hold on to this as preeminent, as first. Jesus Christ shall forever reign. Jesus is our soon and coming king. We live in his kingdom right now. Not because of the geography, but because of the spirit of the king living within us. So I say to you, surrender to the spirit. Follow your king. And as you do, you will be doing battle daily. But remember what the battle looks like. And live as one who has been saved from death and brought into the kingdom of life and love. Jesus Christ shall forever reign. Kind Father, I thank you for the the freedom that you have laid out before us. When it's new, discernment seems like such a taxing task. We, we want the spirit life to be just like a physical one. I, I, just, I just need to know. Just tell me left or right. Just tell me to go up or to go down. Just, but this discerning, this connection with you is so much more about freedom, so much more about us participating in partnership with you. You value us too much to just say, do this, do that. We go together. We work together. We are on mission together. And somehow you have said in all of our weakness, in all of our disorientation, in all of our failures, in in all of our flaws, in all the things that I don't know well enough, and my theology is not good enough, and I don't pray enough, and I don't read the Bible enough, and all of those things that we can say not enough, not good enough, you have said, I choose you. You are the one that I want to work with. You are the one that I am counting on to work in partnership with me to bring hope and peace and love to this world. You are the one that I've chosen. And I know you. I know how you think about yourself. Oh, I want you to see you the way I see you. I I know that you you think that that you've failed. And then it's too much. How I wish you could see the way I love you. And I have not given up on you. And I will not give up on you. You're mine. And I love you. And my love is patient. My love is kind. My love is generous. It keeps no record of wrongs. My love is gentle. 
and the way that I'm calling you to walk in is the blessed way. It's the connection with God way. It's living within the will of God. It's being surrounded by the love of God. So Spirit of God, please, for my friends that are listening right now, this has nothing to do with duty. This has nothing to do with should. This is not have to. Spirit of God revealed to us opportunity. We have been given the opportunity that regardless of where we are and what we're facing, we can walk with it, into it, through it, with you. This is the way. And the way leads to life. Love. Unending. Speak to my friends today. Speak to us that you might speak through us. Somebody else needs to be encouraged today. Choose us. Choose me to bring encouragement to someone else. And Lord Jesus, help us to transform the world that we live in by the love that you have shown to us. That the world may know that you love us, that Jesus died for us, and that your plan is to bring unity, relationship, love, that's what you're about. Guide us forward, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.